and he will not tarry and he will not wait, but he is on his way. And I just, I just, can you sing that the, the deliverer is coming? Because that, we, we need to realize that, that he is on his way. That even when we're in the time of trial, it, and, and if we're there, we need to remember that the deliverer is coming. something really different this week and just um, because today we're going to speak about lifting our eyes into the Lord and getting out of the ruts that we're in when I was driving back from Hagerstown this week I was driving, and, and even while I was driving in Hagerstown, I mean, the mountains are beautiful there. And, I, I'm, I'm, and, and I'm driving, and, and I'm driving, and I'm looking, and I'm, 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 I'm looking at the road, and I'm watching the road signs, and I'm looking at the buildings, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and I'm driving, and all of a sudden, my eyes look up, and there's the mountains. I'm driving around and I don't even see the glory that God set before me. I'm so busy trying to get from point A to point B, trying to figure out where I'm at and where I'm going, that I'm missing the glory of God. I'm missing the things that are all over the place, and I'm missing the things that, that God has set there, and I'm just focused on where I'm at. And if, if you could just touch this, just, yeah, uh, where, I'm, it's like I almost surround myself with the bubble around my needs, my desires, my direction, and, and, and everything else takes a wayside. And I, I, I sit there and I go, you know, the people in the mountains probably don't even notice the mountains anymore because they're so busy about life that they miss everything that's going on. And God put it on my heart that that's where we're at, Okay. And we get into ruts where we don't see the majesty and the glory of God. We don't see, we just see where we're at, and we don't even see where we're going. The, the mountains that, that, that I, as I came back into Virginia, the mountains just raised up, and they would raise up. But if I'm driving, I didn't even see them, ha see them raise up, and all of a sudden they're there. They've been there for a while, but my attention was only on my surroundings, Let's not get that 18-reeler hit me, and am I doing the speed limit, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and actually, I was driving down going, where's the cheapest gas? Because it was 245 up there at Hagerstown. I said, that's way too much. I, I'll get back into Virginia and uh, save a few pennies. But what ends up happening is we get into ruts. 
Now, I don't care why you got into a rut. I, 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 I was going to talk about how we get into ruts and who gives a rip how we got there. I do not care how, if my arm is broke, I really don't care why it's broke. I care that it is broke. And I don't need, the doctor doesn't need to know anything but to set that booger, okay, that I want it fixed. And so y'all may not be in, in, in a rut. Y'all may not be just, just like in a, in, if you're, if you're, if you're in, in a car, and especially in the snow, in the snow, you get into a rut, and if you're not careful, you'll never get out. In the mud, the same thing. It, it, I, I've been in the mud, and, and I get into a rut, and so I try to rock back and forth, and I do the same thing over and over again, and all I'm doing is making that rut deeper and deeper and deeper, and all of a sudden, I'm bottomed out. My axle is now in the ground, and I'm in trouble. And it doesn't matter. I can keep on doing the same thing, and the only thing that it does is it digs it deeper, and I get in more trouble. And so here we are. We're in ruts, and 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 I like I like the uh, the thing about a rut is that it's a grave with just two ends kicked out, you know. And 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 the problem with the rut is is it keeps us there, and we can't get out. And so, all of a sudden, what do we do, or how? What do we do? I'm trying to figure out what I wrote down here. Um, what is it that keeps us in the ruts? Okay, because we want to get out, but if we do the things that keeps us in the ruts, we're not going to get out. We need to stop doing it. So I've got two things that, that would keep us in, in the ruts. Number one is doing the same thing and expecting different results. Now, now a good definition of insanity is, is you do the exact same thing over and over and over again, and you expect different results. Thank you, sir. We, man, Pastor Miles, you're such a blessing. And he knows the wind of God's coming, so we're going to tie that thing down. And so um, we, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and thinking that you're going to get a different result. Now, I will, on my cell phone, I'll call somebody up and they'll say, this number is no longer in service. I will call it several times because I know that the cell company is messed up. And, and I will get on my computer and my computer will go, you can't do this. And I go, well, I'm going to try it. And the 15th time I try it, it does it. So I know that some things we've just got to persevere on. But in our life, we've been persevering and persevering. And we're not at the fifth time. We're not at the tenth time. We're at the hundredth time. And we're expecting... Let's do this. Wives, if you've been married for, for 30 years and your husband hasn't brought you flowers for your anniversary, do not expect flowers for your anniversary. You know, you expect it and expect it and expect it. Well, you know, if you want flowers for your anniversary, give them a hint. Say, baby, I can't wait for our anniversary to come. Some of them are slow. You know, it may take 10 years. But, but we expect, we do the exact same things and we expect a different result. And, and so that keeps us in a rut. Because to get out of a rut, sometimes you can spin your wheels. But you just keep on spinning your wheels. You just make it deeper and deeper and deeper. 
And the things that you say are going to get me out of this rut, I've done it time and time and time again, and I ain't out of it. Get a clue. It ain't working. You know, I can turn on my light bulb. I turn on my, my light switch, and the light bulb doesn't come on, and I may turn it on and off a couple of times because I'm slow, you know. But I realize that either my electricity's out or my light bulb's blown. And so I go get a light bulb, and I don't try to keep on working that same light bulb. I get a new light bulb, and I shift, and that works. I had to put in five light bulbs last night. I was, I, I was, I was like, I feel like I'm putting light bulbs in all the time. But praise God, one was on, so I know that they did, my electricity wasn't turned off. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, so we do the same things, expecting different results. That keeps us in a rut. Another thing that keeps us in a rut is we focus on the rut that we're in. And we will, now I, I, gotta, I gotta say this, we need to tell people to pray for us. We need to say we have a situation and we need to say, you know, we need help. But abo ab above that, some of us live in that situation. We talk about it. We we dream about it. We think about it. Our life revolves around our, our rut that we're in. And everything we talk about, everybody who we speak to knows that we're in a rut. And, and every, we, we aren't even looking for solutions. When somebody brings us a solution to say, well, let's do something different, we go, oh, no, this is too big of a rut. I can't get out. You know, that won't work. Have you tried it? Well, they, I just know it won't work. I just know it won't work. And then we, we find people that are in the same kind of rut, and we think that they're going to pull us out. I'll tell you what, when I'm four-wheeling, and I haven't done that in a long time, but when I'm four-wheeling, four I don't grab somebody who's stuck in the mud to get me out. You know, I get somebody who is not in the mud to pull me out. And so sometimes what we do is we find people that are in the exact same rut or the exact same situation, you know, maybe business is bad, and we're all commiserating about how bad business is. Well, you know what? You get somebody in there whose business is good and they're excited, all of a sudden that shifts and things start to change. But the reason we've got into a rut is because of what we've been doing. We didn't fall into the rut. We might have fell into the rut by mistake, but it wasn't just, just poof, you're in a rut. No, there were things that we did systematically that got us into the rut. And sometimes we just, you know, you get stuck, and I, we, I was in a four-wheel drive a couple of years ago, this, a couple of months ago, up at Hagerstown again, and it had just snowed. We're in a four-wheel drive with, with very little pitch to the road at all. We're stopped, and in four-wheel drive, we were almost stuck in the middle of the road because it was slick. But we finally got out. And, but... We weren't looking at how stuck we were. We were looking at how we could get out. Now, if, 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 if we got, it was good that there was concrete under there because we'd have just burned right on down. But we finally got out. Now, what that has to do with anything, that's just a good story. Um, but we focus on our situations. I was listening to, um, I had TBN on, and uh, uh, I forget the, the lady's name. Anyway, um, but, but she was on, and I guess it's her daughter, 
had said she was, she was out snowboarding, and I heard snowboard. You know, the room side went, oh, snowboard, I want to hear about this. And she said she was learning how to snowboard, and she couldn't get up on the snowboard. She kept on falling down and kept on falling down. And finally, the, the instructor was exasperated because it was like, you shouldn't be able to do that. And the instructor noticed the reason that she was falling down was she kept on looking at her feet, and wherever she was looking, that's where she, where she goes. You ever drive down the road, and you look at something, and you're all the way over into the other lane? I mean, and that's what happens. Where we're looking, we're going to go. And so we need to lift our eyes up to the Lord. For he is good, and his mercy endures forever. And his favor lasts a lifetime. A beautiful song. And, and so if we're in a rut, how do we get out of the rut? Watch Bill. <laughs> and then he, when he gets out, I'll throw throw a rope down in the middle. Um, and I'll tell you what, there's times that I might be in a rut. I need to be pulled out. And you, you need. And and uh, sometimes we need we need each other's help. You know, we really do. God did not put us. Forget about the notes. God did not put us in a body of Christ so that we live a life unto ourselves. He just didn't do it. And if you think you're so great in this body of Christ that you don't need any help, then you need to be the head. And you ain't. I ain't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, there are times, believe it or not, I actually stumble. Good thing that that my Kimmy's mouth is locked down. <laughs> you, you will not be able to get any information out of that woman. She's locked down. But, 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 but we need, we need to have, actually, we need to have somebody who is locked down. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Because, because I got some stuff that you might not want to hear about. You got some stuff that I might not want to hear about. And I got some stuff that maybe I don't want anyone else to hear about, but I need to talk to somebody about it. <coughs> I, I, I'll give you an example. I did this, this ministry thing, and this, this guy had his hand out. And I'm like, you know, we, we do take offerings, you know? And I'm like, excuse me? You know, in my head, I'm like, excuse me? For years, I drove down to Norfolk every week to do ministry. Got paid nothing for it. You know, for years, I've come along the body of Christ and get paid nothing for it. And, and all of a sudden, after you get finished doing what you did, you, you got your hand out? I should have done that, too. I, I, said, I, said, I said, I'll give you half of what you put in here. But anyway, you know, it's, it's amazing on that kind of thing. But the deal was is that I got offended, okay? Now, a preacher, I get money for going to a place to preach. I get money. Sometimes Kim will go, and, and she'll, she'll get uh, blessed financially because she's playing, you know? And, and so we do bless people as a minister. 
But I, I, my, my underwear was all in a wad about this, right? And so, so and, and this guy, I got, I got, I've got relationship with this guy. And so I'm all in a wad. Kim heard about it. And, and, and she's probably going, Lord, you know, bless him, help him. And so, but I, I sat down and talked with somebody because I didn't need this guy to hear about it and these people to hear about it and anything else because it was something in my heart. Am I wrong? You know, do I need to be adjusted? Do I need to be corrected and everything else? And, and it was, I needed to be adjusted and I needed to be corrected <coughs> the first time in my life. But um, maybe, maybe more than that. But I had to sit down and there, what I had to say didn't need to go to anybody else because I was working through something in my head and my heart. I was wrong to a degree. Um, <laughs> I'm still working through it. But, but I was wrong to a degree, but I had to have somebody who was locked down in my craziness of what was going on to be able to hold, hold my, my heart and sometimes the way that I, I, I just not catch things, you know, and some way, sometimes I... Th- you know, I mean, I mean, we 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 do do uh, the heathen Christmas tree, you know, and and so, so, but you know, we have I have certain mindsets and we have certain mindsets and 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 so just because I have a mindset doesn't make it right, and just because I'm in a rut doesn't mean that I want everybody to know that I'm in a rut. When Kim and I were hitting heads and just just nailing each other, yeah, we were just we were just anyway. My jaw is still short. No, she didn't hit me. Uh, she's got such a hook. Um, but you know what? When we when we dealt with that, okay, then I had a testimony that I could tell. But you know what? I was didn't want everybody to know in the middle of everything because. We were dealing with something, and we didn't need to have everybody, Tom, Dick, and Harry, say, this is what you need to do, and then we're, it's like golf, and any of y'all ever golf? I, I, you, I, I do all right. I, I, I mean, when I was playing, I had a, 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 a between a one, and, a one and two uh, handicap per hole, and so, well, you know, for me, that's pretty good. And, but I'd read these magazines, and then they'd say, Hold your hand this way. Hold your hand that way. Turn. So instead of just going and hitting the ball, now I've got to think about all these things, and it messes me up. And I can't do anything right, even though I'm supposed to be doing stuff right. So we need to, you know, we need to have somebody who is locked down while we're in the middle of this, but we need to be able to have them to pull us out. So there's a lot of people that when you tell them something, everybody knows your business. And you know what? When I'm wrong, I don't want everybody to know my business. When, when uh, Kim is wrong, I don't want everybody to know our business. I want to protect her. Okay, so if we're, understand, either I'm wrong or she's wrong or we're both wrong. Uh, I'm wrong. Kim is never wrong. See, I was wrong again, baby. I, I'm getting that. I'm r- r- wrong. But, but we're in, you know, 
I want to, the situation that we have, I want to keep her covered because she may have, she may be going through something whack and I want to keep myself covered because, you know, I don't want everybody to know how whack I really am, you know. And, and so we want to have somebody locked down that, that can get us out of this, and I'm way off in a rabbit, out of the ruts that we're in. So how do we get out of these ruts? <coughs> First thing is we do something different because what we're doing doesn't work. You know, if, if my business is messed up, then what I'm, how I'm doing it, unless God's doing something, then I need to shift something. If my grades at school aren't good, I need to study different. You know, if um, you guys get the idea. I mean, God, hopefully the Holy Spirit's going, yeah, and they said for you to do this, and you go, I don't think it'll work because I've never tried it before, and, and what I'm doing is uh, not working, but <coughs> I want to stay in this rut. I'm comfortable. <coughs> In the scripture, David went to get the ark of God. And in 2 Samuel 6, we find this. Now, I'm gonna, while, we're, while we're here, I want to I teach you some stuff um, about the Bible. 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. They overlap in many areas. And, and in one area, <coughs> it tells you part of the story. And in another area, it tells you another part of the story. Kim and I go and see something. You're going to hear from Kim's view. And then you're going to hear from my view. It's going to be a little bit different. Because we, we, there, there are certain things that are more important to each one of us. And so in the Bible, when we look at Samuel and Chronicles and stuff like that, it's telling the same story, but it's showing you little different aspects of it, if that makes sense. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the same thing. Okay, so in 1 Samuel, <coughs> I'm, uh, 2 Samuel 6, I'm sorry, I'm going to jump here is why I'm doing that. In 2 Samuel 6, we have the story of the Ark of David, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, and David trying to get to it, uh, get it into Israel. So at... Uh, Let's see. David again, it's 6-1. David again brought together out of Israel chosen men, 30,000 in all. He and all his men sent out from uh, Bela of Judah to bring up from the ark of God, uh, bring up there the ark of God, which is called by the name and the name of the Almighty God who is enthroned between the cherub that are on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of, of Abinadad. Okay? The Israelites brought the ark 20, 30 years before that into battle. And they thought, well, we're going to beat the Philistines because we're bringing the ark in. Well, God wanted to, wanted, to, wanted to nail the Israelites, so the Philistines captured the ark. Now, the ark went from town to town in the Philistines, and every town it went, people were, were getting sick, rats, tumors, all kinds of stuff. People are dying and that kind of thing. And so they'd move it to the next town and move it to the Finally, they said, 
They said, we need to get it out of here. How are we going to do this? They put it on a new cart, and they pulled it, and, and it got to Israel. So, so when it comes back, it's on a brand new cart. So how does David figure he's going to bring the ark back? Well, he remembers the story. It came back on a brand new cart. So he puts it on a brand new cart. Okay, and this is what it says. Uh, the sons of Abimadab were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it. And I'm not going to say that name, was walking in front of it. David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with songs and, and uh, harps, lyres, tambourines, cisterns, and cymbals. And they're just shouting and getting all excited about the ark of God is coming back, the ark of God is coming back. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took a hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down. He died there beside the ark. So David's angry, but he's scared of God. So he sticks it in. He gives it to Abimadab, uh, not Abimadab, Obed-Edom, and leaves it in his house. It's in Obed-Edom's house for three months. And David goes, finds out, Obed-Edom is getting real blessed. And David says, I want that. So let's go to uh, 1 Chronicles 15. And this is when David decides to bring the ark back. And we'll go ahead and start. Now what we're doing is we're say, saying doing things different. Because the way that they, they're working doesn't work. So David wanted to, find, to get the ark back. He realized that God's killing people because he's trying to do whatever he's trying to do. And he's like, I need to find out how to do this. Now he could have put it back on the new ark, uh, the new cart, just like it came to Israel. And did the same thing. And what do you think the results would be? Think everyone has survived? I don't think so either. But he could have done that. And sometimes we're like that. We go, well, it didn't work. Well, let's try it again. It didn't work. Well, let's try it again. And that's okay for the first five to ten times. But we're now on 100, 200. We've been trying it this way for three years, five years, ten years. And it's still not working. And we're still, and we're complaining about it. And we're going, you know, it's like trying to win the lottery. Well, next time, I, I, don't, I don't buy a lottery, but I'll tell you what, if God gives me the number, I will, and I will win. But I'm not going to throw my money away. But it's like people who, who are, there are people who don't have money to pay their bills, yet they're putting $30, $40, $50, $100 a week into the lottery because they think that they're going to win. That's craziness. Somebody does somewhere along the line, and you probably ain't going to be it. You know, and they've been playing the lottery for all this time, and they still ain't won it. They still think they're going to get it. But David was smart enough that after the first time, he said, let's, let's figure out what we did wrong. Let's figure out how to get out of this rut. Let's figure out how to, we cannot get the ark into the city the way we were doing it. How do we need to do it? And so um, 15, verse 13, it says, uh, 
Let's do 12. This is David talking to them. He said to them, You are the heads of the Levitical families. You and your fellow Levites are to consecrate yourselves and bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place I have prepared for it. It is because you, the Levites, did not bring up the first time, uh, bring it up the first time that the Lord our God broke out in anger against us. We did not inquire of him about how to do it in the prescribed way. So the priests and the Levites consecrated themselves in order to bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, and the Levites carried the ark of God with poles on their shoulders. And Moses, as Moses commanded, in accordance with the uh, word of the Lord. And so God had already told them how to do it. The ark was never to be put on a cart. It was always to be carried on the shoulders of men. And there's, I, I would do a teaching on that, but we're not, we got, we're trying to get, get through this to get us out of ruts and not, so not how we carry the presence. But, so they, they're supposed to carry the presence. David realizes that they were doing it wrong and he did it a different way. Guess what? They made it to the city and we know the rest of the story. David danced with joy with all his might, and his wife looked down and said, you're a foolish man. And, and David said, I'm going to be foolish for God, and I'm going to be even more foolish for God. And so uh, he cursed David's wife because she rebuked him about his worship, and that's a word for somebody out there. You better keep your mouth shut when people are being being foolish before God because it's between them and God, not between you and you and them. Amen? But here you can only go so far. I'm just teasing. Now, so if we want to get out of a rut, we need to do things different. If we want to get out of a rut, we have to stop focusing on the situation. Okay? And we have to look, number one, to some, look somewhere else. So in James 2.27, it talks about pure religion. And in James 2.27, let's see, it's back here in the back. James 2.27, it talks about... I'm sure it's 127. Yes. Uh, religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless, uh, as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. And so what God is saying is that pure religion has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with looking out for somebody else. You think your situation is bad? Start ministering or start serving people or start allowing, giving love to people and then, and then go ahead and say, um, my stuff is bad. You know, we, we, we are so blessed, even in our ruts, we are so blessed that if we focus outside of our rut and we focus on ministering to somebody else, it's going to draw us out of that rut. 
we're going to be depressed. When we're in a rut, we're depressed, we're, we're upset. But, but as we sow the love of God on other people, God lifts our spirit up, pulls us out of that rut. Now, I do want to read the rest of this because it is two parts of, about a, a religion. And if we can do this, this is pure religion and faultless. We take care of others, okay, and we keep ourselves from being polluted by the world. If we do that, we're working, walking perfectly religious, you know, and that, that's not the bad religion. <laughs> that's God's religion. Okay, so we want to look somewhere else. Uh, we want to look at, instead of our situation, we want to look at God. Psalms 1. 23 says this, and this is this is the songs of ascension. If it might be in your your Bible, and what these psalms were, were psalms as they would come up, and and I, I wish I could get this picture that I have. Because the temple is up on a mound, big mound. It's like going going to the to the, the mountains out here. And having a temple on the top of the mountain, and you have to walk all the way up there. And so they're walking up, and they're singing these songs of ascension with their eyes looking up towards God, and looking up towards there. And and I I, I just I would love to be able to just warp back during a Passover feast or a, 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 a feast of tabernacles or one of the big feasts while they're there, and watch all the people coming up to the temple, and and them all singing. And them all worshiping God. What? How does how does that one song go? Uh, I shall enter His gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter His courts with praise. I will say, This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. And so there is a process to get into His presence. And they would be rejoicing and singing these songs as on their way to the gates. And um, Psalms 23 says, I will lift my eyes to you, to you who is, who is, whose throne is in the heaven. <coughs> and a lot of times when we look our eyes to Jesus and look our eyes to God, that's where we stop. We're going, well, I'm looking up at Jesus. Okay, what are we looking up there for and why? And this is it, during the songs, of this, the songs of ascent, the Psalms of ascent. They're walking up to get into the temple and they're singing, they're singing, I lift my eyes to you, to you on the throne. Anyway, not such a good psalmist. But, but why? What are they looking up to? And, and why are they doing that? It says, as the eyes of the slaves took to the hands of their masters, and the eyes of the maiden took to the hand of her mistress, okay, the slave... If, if, if I was a slave, the hand of my owner was where my provision came from. The hand of the owner was the one who took care of me. If I was a maid, the hand of the mistress is where my money came from, where my food came from, everything. And so they're singing this thing that I'm lifting my eyes up to you, God, because just as the way that the provision is flown from an owner to a slave, from a uh, uh, mistress to her maid, so is it, so our eyes look to the Lord, our God, until he shows us mercy. 
And there's provision if we take our eyes off of our situation and we keep on, we're like snowboarding, we keep on falling in, we keep on falling in. We have our, now we have our eyes on other people and we ultimately have our eyes on God. Now, in uh, Elisha in 2 Kings 6, 8, I'm sorry, yeah, 2 Kings 6, 8, Elisha got the king of Aram really mad. And so the king of Aram says, go get Elisha, we're going to kill him. Find out where he is. And they found out where he was. And so in the nighttime, <coughs> the king of Aram brings this great army to the city where Elisha's at. So Elisha's servant wakes up. And, you know, can you imagine, like, uh, and, and, and then, you, you know, he kind of goes over to the window and looks out and he goes, hold on. There's chariots. There's horses. There's, there's all kinds of dust stirred up and everything else. What's going on? <coughs> We're in trouble. They, you know, the, 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 the uh, hundreds of thousands of men and chariots and everything else out there weren't there yesterday. Praise God we got the door locked. But they're going to get in here. And so this is the situation. The king of Aram is coming to get Elisha. Okay? There is no way out. Ain't no way out. They, they have enough people to destroy the town. And let's, let's get into this. And it says, um, Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel. Beware of passing at this place because the Armenians are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the, the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and, dema and demanded of them, Will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? <coughs> and they said, None of us, my lord, the king, said, uh, None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officials. But Elisha, the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it's almost kind of like when Sue West and her people came in last week. She was telling secrets that, and secrets of our heart that we might, that they didn't know. <coughs> <coughs> but God told them. And so, thank you. So we have, God still works in this prophetic. Even today, we had an example last week. I'm sure they said I was perfect, something else. You say it enough, they'll believe it. No, I'm just that's why Miles has me saying I'm not perfect on a on a repeated basis. <coughs> they, that's a request at the old folks' home. It is. Sing that one song that you shout at. They do. They, they request it. I'm telling you. So keep them in line. It says. It says. Uh, tells the king of Israel. <coughs> What is spoken in your bedroom? 
Go, therefore, and find out where he is, the king ordered, talking about the prophet, so I can send men to capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. So he sent horses and chariots, a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. (coughs) When the servant of God got up uh, the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. And here's the prophet. He's got a choice. He can look at the situation. He is in a rut now. There is no back door to the city. He can't run. He can't hide. Okay? One man, uh, one man's life for a whole city, they would kill him. They'd knock on the door. Guys, who's there? The Armenian army. Can we come in? No. What do you want? We want Elisha. You can't have him. Well, we're going to destroy your city and kill you and, and, and rip open all your women. And, and, and Well, hold on a second. Let us confer about that. That doesn't sound real good. And, and so you know that Elisha is going to be, his head's going to be chopped off and thrown over the wall. It's happened in other places in the Bible. It would happen here. So Elisha already knows that's what, he's dead, man. The army's come. He's dead. There ain't nothing left. But he didn't stop and just look at the situation. He looked, he put his eyes up and looked at the hills. And it says, my deliverer is coming. You know, my deliverer is standing by. And, and so he said, do not be afraid, the prophet answered. <coughs> those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And so this servant is sitting there going, You've been smoking, man. You've been, you've been hitting that holy wine. You know, what, 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 where is your head at? I can count in the city. We got 300 here. I can look out there. They got, they got 100,000. Now, how can you figure that out? Do you got that new math that's in the school now? You know, whatever you want the number to be, it's okay. You know, do you have that new math going on here? And, 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 and so he's like, ain't right. And when we are in situations, and we're in a rut, and we go, I can see the deliverance coming. People will say, it ain't going to happen, it can't, you can't do it. I can still use this, this, this thing because it's not been a year yet, and I still might use it after that. Miss Timmy quit her job. I mean, this summer, quit the job that she was at because she felt that God said that that she was going to be moved over here. The people said, well, there's an opportunity possibly. And as a matter of fact, they they said, no way, and then they called her back and said, well, maybe, right? And so she turned in her resignation, didn't have a job, okay? Now, everybody who knew what was going on, our pastors and stuff like that, were going... You could see it in their head. This girl is whack. This girl is crazy. She's stupid. That Kim is just just getting out on the uh, out on, out way out there again, you know. But she had she could see God had called her, you know. And it didn't matter what the rut looked like. As a matter of fact, what, was it a week before school? 
You enrolled your children in the school, in a, in, a, in a private school, enrolled her children in a private school. She did not have a job. There was no more income coming in at all. She enrolls her children into the school, and they're getting ready to go to school. She doesn't have a job. Her last paycheck already came, and people are looking at her going, well, you're gonna, uh, where is your second line of defense? And, and so, so, so here, yeah, Wawa. So here we are. We might be in that situation, okay, because we know the rest of the story. We got the Paul Harvey on this. But, but we may be in a situation that it looks hopeless. It not, not only has, do we have another check coming, we don't, our last check has already come. There is no check coming. There is nothing. There is no hope. We are surrounded, and they're going to cut our heads off. We've been put in a rut, and it doesn't matter whether we put ourselves in there or somebody else put us in there. We are in a rut, and everybody around us is going, it can't happen. You've been that way for five years. What do you, what do you think? You think your back's going to get healed? You know what I'm saying? And they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna do that, don't they? You go to the doctor, and they go, well, you know, you can only get so much, you know, that kind of thing. And, and, and they, they will talk you into staying in the rut. The servant of God, the, the prophet of God, his servant is trying to talk him out, telling him how he's dead now. We ain't got it. The man of God, instead of focusing, I'm, 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 how, how do we get out of, out of a rut? First, we do different things. Second, we stop focusing on where we're at. We've got to focus ourselves on other people, which give us help, because we find out that we're not as bad as, you know, they're, they're people in a whole lot. And you, you look at them and you go, oh, well, they look awful good. They look good on the outside, but in the ins inside, they're ready to blow their brains out. You know, they're in situations you don't even know about. And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm sitting there going, I'm sitting there going, well, I really haven't worked in a month and a half. True. Right now. And, and, and I know, but I know that God is, good, God is the one who's, who's, who's set these things up. And, he's gonna, and so I know that, that the abundance is going to come. And so I'm not, I'm not sweating it. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm doing a few things differently. Okay? <coughs> but I've even thought, well, I'll just go get a, get a job and I'll start working for somebody. And I'm like, that's so stupid. Because right here is the provision and right here I am. I'm just not quite there yet. And why would I steal and, and, and let loose of all the provision that God's got coming for me for a pittance? It'd be stupid. But we're in that situation where we're in a rut. We need to look at that, get our eyes off of our situation. And Elijah prayed. He said, oh, Lord, and he's talking about his servant, open his eyes that he might see. And sometimes the eyes of faith. We were at somebody's house yesterday, last night, and we prayed that, uh, um, uh, how old is he? Zachary? Yeah, but, yeah, Zachary's like seven, eight. Okay, and he said, he said uh, uh, will you pray for me that I can see into the spirit realm, that I can see angels and I can see the heavens and all that kind of stuff? And so we prayed that the, the veil between the natural and the supernatural, which not just for him, he, he's a catalyst, I want it too. 
Kim wants it too. You know, so we want that veil tour, just like he's saying, open his eyes. We want our eyes open because I don't want to be making my decisions on the natural. I want to be making my decisions by seeing into the supernatural. I don't want to sit there and go, I'm in a rut and I can't get out of it. I want to see the way to get out of it. I want to stop looking at my situation and lifting my eyes up to the Lord. And it says, uh, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. And the Lord struck him with blindness. He got out of the situation, and, and, and you can read the rest of that because that just would be more story. Um, but to get out of the rut that we're in, we need to start doing stuff different. We need to start, we need to start pressing in. Sometimes we're in a rut now, and we weren't in a rut before. We need to look and see what were we doing before and what's different about doing now. In Revelation, it says you need to return to your first love. Return to the acts that you were doing in the beginning. Because sometimes we lose track. We're driving down the road. We lose track. We get off in the dirt a little bit. We get into a rut. We need to get back onto the road. And so... We need to do things different. We need to focus on things other than where we're at. Just like that snowboarder. You look down the hill to where you want to go. Just like you're driving down the road. You don't turn to the left because you're going to go there. You don't turn to the right because you want to go straight down that road. So we need to have our eyes focused on our callings, our destinies. The enemy will put ruts in our, in our life that we will become comfortable in and we will die in. It's like I said, a rut is just a grave with the two ends kicked out. A rut is a place you die. A rut is a place that the enemy destroys you. A rut is also a place for ultimate victory. Because it's, it, it, it brings, brings to mind this, and I'll close with this. It brings to mind this. The, uh, um, these two guys had a, had, had a donkey, and you all might know this story, so I'll run it quick. But they had a donkey, and, and the donkey fell into this pit. And they loved this donkey. And the pit was deep, and they were like, you know, we can't get the donkey out, so we don't want the donkey to die in there and just, you know, torturous death. And so they thought, they went, well, we'll just bury him alive, and he'll die. You know, I mean, it would be quicker than the, than the poor thing. So they got shovels full of dirt and started throwing it down this hole. And it hit the donkey's back. And the donkey kind of shakes and step. And they throw more. Donkey would shake and step. Throw more. Donkey would shake and step. And he starts getting up higher and higher and higher and higher. And finally, they throw it in, and, and he shakes and steps. And he steps out, and he walks in of his eyes. That was a place that, that he was going to die, but the thing that was supposed to bring him death brought him deliverance. And the same thing with the rut. It's a place that, that's supposed to bring us death, 
but it can bring us deliverance. It's just what do we want to think? You know, that donkey could have stood there and not moved and died. Or he could have shook it off, put it under his feet, and did what happened. Amen? So with that, yes, with that, um, I'm just going to pray for, pray for you guys. You don't have to, have to say I'm in a rut. You don't have to say I'm anything. I want to pray for us. Father God, we thank you that our Deliverer is coming. And not only is he coming, but he's standing right next to us. Father, that deliverance is right there. Father God, we, 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 Lord, I pray right now that we would come against the attacks of the enemy, that the place of death that the enemy has got us stuck in and we're struggling in. Father God, right now we speak a shifting in our minds and a shifting in our heart. Father God, that we would not look at the way that we've been doing things in the past and, and figure that we would be, get, get deliverance, but we would look at to the new things and fresh things. Lord, even as David went and he said, he said, this is the way people say to do it. I went to all of the, the doctors and all the wise men and they said, this is the way to do it. And it didn't work. He went to the Lord. Father God, I pray right now that, that, that all the things and the schemes that we've come up with and the ways that we've, we've been doing stuff would be removed and we would return to the Lord. We would return to his ways for they are good and his mercy endures forever. He brings his shalom, his peace, the things that are broken and damaged. He brings it that there's nothing missing, nothing lacking. And Father God, we ask that you would bring that to us now, even in the time of our rut, even in the time where the grave that we're sitting in, that the enemy is prepared for us, for us to die in. We're, Lord, I ask that we would have the boldness of that that donkey, that we would shake it off, 
that we would put it under our feet and that we would know that, 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 the, that the, the top of the hole is coming and we're going to allow the enemy to come so that he might exalt us and lift us up because we're going to break through and the enemy cannot stop us. That grave that he designed for us is now a place of life. That grave that he set forth for us to die is now a place of rejuvenation that we might be able to grab somebody and pull them out of the rut. Father God, we thank you that you had the deliverance for us to be removed out of the mud hole, that we might be able to pull someone else out of that mud hole. Father, I pray a new shifting of our minds. Lord, that your glory would be, would be focused on what we, where our focus is on. No longer the things of the natural, but the things of the supernatural. The sea endureth forever. To all generations, he has torn us, but he will heal us. Yes, he will. He will heal us. 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 Deliverer is coming. My deliverer is standing by. My deliverer is coming. My deliverer is standing by. If you believe that, sing with us. My deliverer is coming. My deliverer is standing by. My deliverer is coming. My deliverer is standing by. Deliverer is coming. My deliverer is standing by. My deliverer is coming. My deliverer is standing by. We release now the glory and the power and the presence of God on everyone who's here and everyone in the sound of my voice. Right now we release the deliverance. We release the deliverer that's standing by. Lord, we, we, we untether the Holy Spirit that has been held back, the grace that has been held back. And right now, we release, the, we release the delivering power that Jesus paid for us on the cross. Lord, we, we, loose, we loose the victim mentality, and, 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 and we, we, we loose the, the victor mentality. That victim mentality we break now in the name of Jesus. It is torn from us so that we might be healed. It has removed those things that the enemy has placed, those thoughts that he has put in us of defeat. Uh, we tear, the, Lord, we ask that you would tear that from us so that we might be healed in Jesus' name. Heal us, join us, so he might heal us. He might heal us. Oh, he will heal us. <coughs> he will heal us. He will heal. 
deliverance.